Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzler. We have a really fascinating guest tonight, a great musician that I just got turned on to a handful of days ago, a fellow by the name of Jalen Crossland. He's playing at Crooners tonight at 7 o'clock. He's got a lot of stuff on YouTube you can check out. He's a really good guitar player and singer-songwriter. We're going to listen to some of his music tonight, and you will be learning about Mr. Crossland at the same time as I will, because this is our first conversation. Jalen, how are you tonight? You know, I'm feeling all right today. How are you? I I felt better, but I'm powering through, but I've, I've really enjoyed listening to your music. Uh, I love your uh, your guitar playing and your banjo playing. You, uh, I'm a bit of a guitar player myself, so I was very fascinated with your left-handed guitar style. And I was looking at one of your videos. Do you have you have a thumb pick on on the banjo video I was watching? It looked like you had five, uh, four finger picks, or was I saying things? Oh, uh, I have three finger picks, um, which is uh, one more than is probably necessary. Um, most banjo players use two finger picks and a thumb pick, um, but it gets used time and t- time and again. And also, when, when I'm doing like uh, tapping on the neck of the banjo, it gets used a lot. Now you it can also um, serve. It's, it's, I tend to blow ban- banjo picks; they go flying across the stage a lot too. So it gives me one extra to slip over to another finger. If I oh, there that. you go. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, what? Uh, I, I, did you uh, win awarded a Winfield uh, finger picking championship in the late nineties? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I got fourth one year, and I went back and got second, and then uh, couldn't bring myself to compete anymore after that. I'm not a big com- competitive guy, you know, so didn't want to go try again. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about. Uh, You've obviously been playing for a long time because you're really good. When did you uh, pick up the guitar? Oh, it started when I was 13. Um, because, you know, get adolescence, getting in school, you got to meet girls somehow. And guitar seemed like the only possible avenue I could have because right. I was a total nerd. So, um, And, yeah, and after just a little while playing it, I realized I really loved doing it. So. I've done it ever since and for a living since I was 17. Who are your first guitar influences, Jalen? Um, I mean, starting out, I was listening to rock and roll and heavy metal and stuff, you know. I was uh, 80s, and so, like, guitar heroes were guys like uh, Randy Rhodes and Eddie Van Halen and the guys from Judas Priest and, you know... Um, Tony Iommi from Sabbath. That, those were like my first influences on guitar. But uh, I'd grown up in a family of old-time bluegrass music and mountain music, so that was always uh, something that I knew that was in my background as well. So at some point, started uh, went back to my roots playing that kind of music. 
When did you uh, start finger picking? That wasn't, that must have been the mid to late 90s. I'd been a flat picker up, and uh, at some point I started hearing guys like Chet Atkins and Doc Watson and all these guys who did, who played, had the bass lines going, you know, with the melodies at the same time and stuff. And that just sounded like, that confounded me. That sounded like magic. I didn't know how they did it. And so I decided I was going to sit out and figure that out. Um, so with much effort for a number of years, I figured out how to do it. What, uh, when you played it in Winfield, were you in the flat picking category or finger picking? It was finger style. Wow. And you'd only been playing for a handful of years and you placed fourth. That's not too bad. And then to play second a while later, uh, congrats. I had, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard a great uh, Twin Cities-based fingersaw steel string player named Tim Sparks. Huh. He uh, he heard. won that. I studied with him when I first moved to Minneapolis in the late seventies. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely check him out if you can. The guy is just an amazing, not only amazing player but a composer as well. Now, have you ever played Minneapolis before? You know, a long time ago, and I don't even remember when it was, um, but I came to town and made a record with a friend there who has a recording studio and uh, played at Lee's Liquor Lounge while I was there. Oh, sure. That was the only time I've ever been there. What uh, studio? It was, pardon? Whose studio was it? Uh, His name's Steve, and right now I'm drawing a a blank on his last name but god we've been friends for years <laughs> um, so but i can't think of the name of the studio either it's been so long well you've been friends until he hears this interview anyway <laughs> yeah right i i can't remember his last name right now but he's coming to the show on sunday so it'll be good to see him now what uh what were some of your songwriting influences oh god songwriting um Songwriting started, came along a little bit later because I was always just a mercenary guitar player for quite a long time, just playing with any band who needed a guitar hand. Um, at some point, I started wanting to do my own thing, which meant you had to write songs. Uh, influences were probably, I mean, the usual suspects, uh, Neil Young, Tom Waits. Uh, that's for the more folk rock sound, you know. And, and then I was inspired by John Hartford and... Uh, for like old times, the more of an old time cheerful sound. Um, yeah, John Harper g- gave a bunch of freedom just to be silly with your songwriting and not have to think it too hard. Um, so, um, God, there's lots of others. Uh, and of course, uh, Guy Clark is a big influence. Uh, and uh, I, I. I, I got a kind of a John Prine vibe off your stuff as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, John Prine's great. I uh, love his stuff. And, uh, you know, oftentimes when I'm, when I'm writing songs, I think that, you know, if I run up against, like, well, how do I do this? I think, well, how would John Prine handle this? <laughs> you know, or how would, uh, how would Tom Waits handle this verse? You know, they probably wouldn't overthink it like I'm doing. <laughs> you know, when I was, uh, after after John Prine died uh, a few years ago, 
I sat down, I was going to write a song like John Prine, and I beat my head against the wall and realized a few hours into it that, well, John Prine can do it, but I'm not John Prine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, but, put, but he's a great influence. What a, what a fun, I mean, avant-garde songwriter, you know? Oh, yeah, and just... Uh, uh, and really, what a big heart. He just writes with so much heart. He certainly does. You know, I, uh, a few, not long after he passed, a buddy of mine and I started a campaign uh, to get John Prine his own uh, United States Postal Service stamp because he's uh, started out as a uh, mailman. So if people go to johnprinestamp.com, they can uh, uh, find the petition. We've got over 4,000 signatures. When we get to 5,000, I'm going to present it to Fiona Prine, John's widow. And if we get the uh, uh, the AOK from her, we're going to pass it on to the United States Postal Service because there's no buddy that deserves <laughs> a postal stamp more than John Prine. I think it's a fabulous idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell your yeah, friends. I hope that uh, works out. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, uh, we dummied up a couple of what what the uh, what the stamp could look like. So go to johnprinestamp.com and tell your friends. Now, where uh, do you where where are you based out of? Let's start there. Uh, I live in a little town at the foot of the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming uh, called Ten Sleep, like the number ten S L E E P, and it's population two hundred. And it's my hometown. I've got four generations here. and still wow. live here now. So, pretty little spot. You know, middle of nowhere. We're 70 miles from the nearest interstate. And it's on the other side of the mountain. So, pretty secluded little spot. But I like it a lot here. Do you, do you have a family, Jalen? I mean, uh, you know, wife and kids? Nope. Uh, um, nope. Um, the only surviving blood family member is my mom and my uncle. Wow. Well, you, uh, you really tour around a lot in that, that area out there, the uh, Dakotas and Wyoming and where, where else do you play? Um, well, you know, I, I've played just about all the states in the union and, uh, haven't played Alaska yet or Hawaii. But I've played just about everywhere, at least once or twice. Um, coming out of Wyoming, it's, uh, you know, it's, this is just kind of like the hub of the wheel where the farther it is away from here, the less I get there. But I try to get everywhere. <laughs> and I've toured Australia and toured a few countries in, in Europe. Um, so it's just the farther from Wyoming it is, the less I get there. <laughs> right. I guess my, my main, you know, the... Regionally, the regional states, you know, six or seven states around Wyoming are the stuff I do all the time. So, um, We've got uh, you know, Jalen. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Pardon? We've got Jalen Crossland on the Wall of Power Radio Hour tonight. He's performing at uh, Crooners out there in Fridley on October 1st. We're going to listen to a song of his. We're going to start out with Trailer Park Fire and be back with Jalen for the whole show tonight on the Wall of Power Radio Hour.
thank you so much for inviting me to town. I appreciate it. This is a good little party you put on for all of us. the second set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Mensa, fighting a bit of a cold tonight, but uh, we're going to power through our guest for the whole show, musician, guitarist, and banjo player, uh, Jalen Crossland from Wyoming, and uh, really enjoying speaking with this cat. You've spent, uh, kind of on the break, you said you've been played in all 50 states, with the exception of Hawaii and, and Alaska, who do you book yourself? Or you got a good booking agent. You know, these days I book myself. I've had a number of managers and agents over the years, and I just I don't know. All great people, and we all go along great, but I'm not sure that any of them really were able to further my career a whole lot more than just what I do. So I mean, no one wants to succeed more than yourself, right? So yeah, um, for sure. And plus, so yeah, I do all my business. I handle the whole operation now. Wow. Well, let's tell what's uh, what's your website, Jalen. Let's let the folks out there know how they can track oh, some your stuff down. This is my name, Jalen Crossland dot uh, com. So, yeah, I mean, I've I know exactly what you're saying. You get uh, you get a good buddy that's got some organizational skills. You ask them to help manage and book you, and then you realize that, uh, God, that 15 to 25% for the management and booking, you're better off putting in the gas tank, even though they mean well. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah. But I give I mean, you a lot of Mostly credit. I want to. Huh? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was saying, yeah, mostly I want a- agents and managers to, you know, further your career take you places and open doors you've never done you haven't done on your own but just have never had them be able to do that for me uh they wind up booking me in all the places i already play you know <laughs> so right right um, so, tell us about anyway. some of the uh, you've really played with a lot of great musicians tell my audience uh what kind of musicians you've shared stages with? Because it's a wide variety of folks. Well, I mean, having been in this playing music for so many years, uh, 
Yeah, I've had opportunity to open for a bunch of my heroes, uh, you know, open for Taj Mahal and John Hartford. Um, uh, opened, uh, I got to do two tours opening for Robert Earl Keane. Wow. Um, two national tours. And gosh, who else? Steve Earl. I mean, there's a, I've played with so many people, you know, either, either opening for them or, or on festival bills, you know. It's great to get to meet your heroes backstage, you know. That's always really fun and interesting. Sometimes it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I wish I would wish I wouldn't have met that guy in person, but <laughs> but it's I, always uh, pretty neat. I uh my first big when I put out my first record album, Paper Tigers eighty four, I uh, I had the pleasure of opening up for Taj Mahal, who is a huge hero of mine, uh at the North Shore Theater right here in Duluth. And so I did my 35 minutes or whatever it was, went pretty well. Then Taj came out, did about two hours and a half. He went next door to play with his old buddy and my friend. I don't know if you ever uh, heard of a great musician, blues cat named Dave Snaker Ray. And uh, so Taj went next door to this coffee shop where Dave was playing, sat in with him for about an hour and a half. Then we ended up at the party. up in Central Hillside in Duluth, and everybody picked up their guitars at about midnight. So Taj has got almost four hours of music already that he's played. And so we're... Hey, just still going. And, <laughs> yeah. And I remember he had a, a pen that said 40 and feeling sexy. Of course, he's you know built like a football player. Finally, about 3.30... Yeah. About 3.30 in the morning, I said, Taj, you win... I got to go to the hotel and go to sleep. But, I mean, that guy, it was literally eight hours of music, uh, the great Taj Mahal. And, uh, wow. Yeah, and he's just, I saw he's just been doing some shows with, with Van Morrison, and I can't imagine a better evening of music than seeing those two. Uh, yeah, that'd be a good deal. Um, yeah, I now, remember when, when I met him, uh, I, I remember he shook my hand backstage, and he was just towering over me. He's yeah. over six foot. I don't know how big he is, um, but and he just kind of wrapped my hand in his enormous hand. <laughs> like it was pretty intimidating, actually. Oh yeah, he's a big, big guy. I heard a a great story that Maria Maldor told me. Uh, I got to know Maria. I, had, I was booking a blues club in Minneapolis and booked Maria a couple times. Fell in love with her road manager, which. Um, was fun for a while. And uh, anyway, she told me this great story of how when she was in Greenwich Village, when Gertie's Folk City was really starting to happen in the early 60s, she was there one night with Bob Dylan. We're talking 1962 or so, maybe uh, right around that time. And there was this big black guy that came in with a banjo and he came in and he asked me where do I where can I go tune up and they said downstairs and so he starts doing his thing downstairs and blowing Bob Dylan's and Maria Muldor's mind at how good he was even back then he was probably you know 20 years old and uh, so he gets done warming up and Dylan goes what's your name he goes Taj Taj Mahal and and, he, and Taj goes to Bob. You think I'm going to be okay, be all right? And Dylan goes, 
You're going to do just fine, Mr. Mahal. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, God. It'd be nice. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice to have Dylan's blessing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, now, you also did something. Was it the Wyoming Symphony? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, at the time, I had a, a trio, um, and we we just we just opened for them. We didn't uh, play with the symphony. We just opened for them. Okay. <laughs> Which is a pretty odd combination, a bluegrass band open for the symphony, but it's Wyoming, you know. Right. Well, they uh, they love you out there. I was reading some of your um, some of your press, and you they consider you kind of a uh, Wyoming treasure. So we're we're happy to have you in uh, Minneapolis this weekend. How many nights a year, Jalen, are you on the road? Um. Well, let's see. In recent years, the last probably four or five years, I have stopped touring in the winter. I only I work six months out of the year, the warm months, and uh, work pretty dang hard during that time because I try to make my whole living in six months. Um, so it's full blast for six months. I don't really know how many gigs I do, but uh, I got really tired of. You know, there, what, as you know, up in Minneapolis, man, the winter is harsh in these the yeah. northern climbs. And I got really tired of uh, trying to travel in blizzards and uh, loading gear in 20 below zero and wind. And, and you know, even if I made it to the gig without dying, my crowd is smarter than me and just stayed home. <laughs> yeah, know? right, right. And, uh, so finally I was like, you know, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go south for the winter and work six months which has worked out really wonderfully because being gone also helps build up a little demand to see you if you're not playing right. around, you know? So uh, I think one, uh, one of the most important things you can do as your own agent is not overplay yourself in any one place. <laughs> so yeah. it's nice to lay low for six months. Uh, I, uh, if this, this might put the fear of God in you, in terms of playing in cold weather, Jalen, I did a gig up in Ely, Minnesota. I believe it was January, February, 1997. And that was the night Ely, actually the neighboring town of Tower, I was playing in Ely that night, broke the 100-year record for cold. It was 60 below without a windshield. Good Lord. <laughs> I've never I've never experienced that kind of cold. It was unbelievable. 40 they, were, they were, you know, the news came up. They were pounding frozen bananas through two-by-fours, and it was just insane. Now, the, <laughs> the great thing about the crowd that night, Jalen, uh, once they got there, they didn't want to go home. So we were there till. God, I think they finally kicked us out at about two thirty in the morning. Uh, <laughs> so, so even if I even if I sucked, they really had uh, no no need to. Yeah, either listen to this lousy musician or die. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I totally understand. Well, tell us some of your because I've I've. You know, I've flown out to New York and played Austin and L.A. and and around the country in Boston. 
but I've never really figured out how to get on the road and tour. I tried it with my band. You know, I mean, it's tough enough making a living as a solo artist, but traveling with the band and paying two or three other people, hotel rooms and the such, it's, it's damn near impossible. So tell us about some of your horror stories on the road. Let's let folks know exactly what it's like out there. Well, let's see, horror stories. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I mean, the band houses can be... Yeah, let's talk sometimes. about that. Um, I mean, nowadays I'm fairly fortunate. Mostly I, I just stay in hotels and people take pretty good care of me, you know. But right. in the olden days on the road, you were just lucky to have running water and, you know, a, a heater to curl up beside on the floor. Um, right. I remember a band house somewhere in Iowa that uh, didn't actually have glass in the windows. It had a mattress leaned up against an open window, <laughs> um, which that was pretty low rent. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, early on, you, I, I, I think I paid my dues. I cut my teeth, you know, just suffering through it but it was all so much fun you know yeah um, and we, in the old days uh when i used to hire on as a as a side guy just a guitar hand with with touring bands um they sometimes their buses would be really a pain in the butt like you know the tour buses look all glamorous and everything but when one of them things break down which they do a lot <laughs> like yeah we sat in uh we sat in a I think it was called Laguna, New Mexico, for over a week. Wow. It was a town of like a hundred. I feel like it was like a hundred people or something. But we were living in our tour bus on Main Street, broken down, waiting for parts. And uh, it, they, the town looked at us like aliens had landed. Like, these people were living on the street in a bus for all this time. Oh, um, man. But, uh, yeah, it was just... Yeah, it was a lot harder in the old days for me. It's it's easier now. But um, what uh, what kind of ride? Are you, you got a van, or what do you what do you drive around in? Oh, I'm in one of those high top, uh, those modern kind of. I'm in a Ram uh, Promaster, which is something like the Sprinter vans, you know. Okay. Big square things, and I got it built out built out with a like a green room to hang out in and a bed over the top of the gear in the back. And uh, it's real nice. It's the 13th van I've built out in this, since I've been doing this. Well, good for you. We've got Jalen Crossland on. Uh, he's at Crooners on October 1st. Let's listen to uh, his song, Joanne. We'll come back for the third set, talk about that and more with Mr. Jalen Crossland on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. Okay, here we go then.
skyline sinks low into the nighttime. Grew up on this bluegrass, went singing in the hills. But I'm leaving in the morning. I got niching for that black tar. Got my things together now, goodbye. And I'm looking for a lady who wants to ride shotgun. Looking for a lady willing to hear my lies. Joanne, understand these words that I'm saying. Joanne, understand you gotta open up your eyes. Now, if those ladies are singing, you're listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzer. My guest for the whole show tonight, a really great musician. I just got turned on to, very excited to hear uh, a musician with this caliber, a guy named Jalen Crossland. Jalen, tell us a little bit about that last song, Joanne, we heard when we went on the last set. Uh, Joanne, that, that was written by another fella named Steve. I think his last name was Peterson. Um, uh, he wrote it in the 70s for the Cache Valley Drifters, which is a bluegrass band out of California. Um, and I've only heard their version of it and always liked it, so I just covered it and worked up a fingerstyle guitar version of it. 
Well, your uh, your finger saw guitar playing is really uh, really unique. Um, now, do you use you know just I was just trying to figure it out from watching the videos. Do you use all three fingers w with the thumb when you're playing, or do you lot? I was noticing a lot of thumb with just one finger, which is like how Doc finger was. Style? Yeah. Oh, I on my picking hand, I use all five. Wow. Um, I mean, a lot of times the pinky's just anchored on the guitar, but when I'm doing arpeggio rolls and stuff, you, you use all five of them. I mean, if they're there, might as well use them. Did did, uh, did you have any formal training, or is it all basically uh, put the record on and speed it up and slow it down, learn the songs? Yeah, that's it. Never had the fortune of any formal training. Just uh, stealing what I liked from everybody, a little bit here, a little bit there, you know, learning solos off records like I'm sure you did. Um and it's funny, back in the day, I did learn off vinyl records, which is kind of tricky. <laughs> Trying to rewind a vinyl record 15 times to a certain spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, guitarists of a certain age have no idea what uh, generations of guitarists went through, or musicians in general, learning solos and songs off records. Uh, I've got probably one... Leo Kaki record, everyone he's put out that's in really good shape, and the rest of his early ones are just beat to hell. Because I just, uh, yeah. you know, you learn the lick, you stop the mm -hmm. record, you, oh, did I get the riff? And by the time you learn the song, the record's completely damaged. But that's, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. it, it worked out well for me. So, yeah. who are, so who do you, uh, when you're on the road or when you're home, who do you who do you listen to now? What kinds of music? Um, you know, I generally don't listen to music that's in my genre anymore. Um, I'm I think it's mostly just because I play it all the time. And when I'm on my own at home, cruising in you know cruising around listening to music or whatever, I like to go to other places. So. Uh, uh, listen to stuff across the board. I mean, listen to a lot. I still listen to old old rock and metal, you know. Um, let's see. Uh, like the bands I was talking earlier, I still like listening to those guys. Actually, next weekend, going out and seeing uh, Iron Maiden and Metallica and a few other uh, big metal uh, festival out in Palm Springs next weekend I'm going to. So, still like listening to all that, but also... Uh, I don't know. I like like listening to spacey zone out music, depending what you're up to. You know, zero one. And, um, oh, I also really like. Uh, I listen to a lot of Latin music. Um, mm -hmm. I like Latin music a lot. Um, Latin jazz and. Um, well, hey, here's the here, uh, hmm? here's the title for your next song or record. Headbanger at heart. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely never lost the headbanger, you know. I'm still just, yeah, rocker. You know the ones that that uh, that was never my thing, but one band. Although I've I've seen, uh, I saw one of I think Metallica's first shows with Wasp, and there was one other band at First uh -huh. Avenue back in the day, and uh, and I could dig, uh, you know, I could dig that. Music on certain levels where it's not necessarily 
connected with me emotionally, but I can dig it for other reasons. But the one band that I always really got a kick out of that I really wish I would have seen live was ACDC. Yeah, actually, they're on that bill in California I'm going to next week. Really? Uh, yeah, I've never seen them before, and I'm excited to have opportunity to. I hope they still have their Brian uh, Johnson, I think his name is. The, yeah. I hope he's still singing for them. Uh, I know he has dropped out and come back in, and but I hope he's there. <laughs> wow. So uh, that sounds like that's going to be a fun weekend for you. Uh, yeah. Well, I saw it too when I was reading your your promo. You've got a uh, uh, you got a quote from Nikki Six of all people. <laughs> yeah, that's a for my genre. That's kind of a an odd standout quote. Um, uh, yeah, and I was a fan of Motley Crue's man for their, certainly their first two albums. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of them old bands I like their first two albums or whatever, and then I kind of jump ship, but. Uh, yeah, Nikki Six saw me at a show um, at the Jackson Center for the Arts in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And uh, a friend of mine who runs a recording studio said that he was standing back with his wife and told her that quote. And so he snagged that quote for me for my. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. Uh, it doesn't get any more cross genre than that. That's fabulous. <laughs> what. Uh, so what does the rest of the year look like for you? What were you playing after you played Crooners and, and uh, Fridley? After, I'm starting to wind down. Right now i got six gigs left for the year. After Crooners, I'm going to run down and do a show in Laramie, Wyoming, and then down in Fort Collins, Colorado. And then that's it. And me and my gal are going to South America and Mexico for the winter. Really? Yeah. Well, sounds like you've kind of got, uh, you're kind of getting it all figured out where you can make a living playing music, but also have enough uh, time and hopefully money to en- to enjoy life as well, so the music industry doesn't totally beat you into the ground. Yeah, you know, um, I feel like I have a pretty comfortable, happy way of it. Uh, it's a good work hard all summer while it's nice, and then go south all winter and it's it's pretty good arrangement what um god i just uh so what are you doing on this tour are these mostly solo shows are you doing you opening up or having opened any openers for you uh let's see i mean as far as my performances they're all solo now i had i had a band for 12 years um, and I was playing solo all this, the whole time with that band as well. But my bass player died a few years ago, and so I've been straight solo ever since. Um, and as far as opening acts, uh, gosh, I yes, I, I do have some opening acts on some of the bills. Um, I think like one or two on a couple of the bills. But hopefully they're solo guys. <laughs> right. Kind of hard to be kind of hard to be the headliner when you got a band opening for you. <laughs> Have you ever, uh, I'd love to help you out if you ever uh, need a gig in Duluth. Let me know. It's only a couple hours from the cities. And I think your music Thanks. will go very well up here. Um, have you ever bumped into a guy named Charlie Parr? Yeah, I know Charlie. We've, we've 
played together before on a festival, Bill. And yeah, yeah and I've seen him play before. He's great. Charlie's great. You know, he, he uh, came out of Duluth. I'd like to brag that I gave him his first gig. I had an open stage at a club in northeast Minneapolis called Maze Lax. And I had a mm-hmm. 150, a couple hundred bucks to throw around a bunch of musicians to play and get them burgers and beers. And Charlie would come down from Duluth a couple times a month to play. And back then he looked like a ninth grade geography teacher. And he played this national <laughs> national steel and he just blew my mind. So I said, man, you and I'd always give Charlie more money because he needed gas money because he drove from Duluth. But yeah, I've been watching his career. I'm going to be, he's got a book out. We're doing a book event on uh, October 14th. So I'm looking to rehook up with Charlie. But uh, when I heard you, I thought, yeah, this guy's got to bump into Charlie at some point. Because in kind of it's, you know, in a way, uh, you two are kind of in the same world, you know. Yeah, it's a solo Americana thing. Um, I like Charlie a lot because so he's a solo guy, but he's so upbeat. He has a lot of energy in his playing. Um, oh, yeah. And a lot of solo guys, you know, singer-songwriters can be kind of slow and depressing, you know. Right. And I appreciate about Charlie Parr how... how be lively, you know. I like that. We love Charlie. Well, and, and uh, we're starting to love Jalen Crossland, my guest for the whole show. Have a great time October 1st at Crooners. We're going to go out with a song I know, I know they love in your home state of Wyoming. Great Atomic Power by Jalen Crossland. Jalen, good luck for the rest of the tour. I really look forward to meeting you in person one one of these days, and everybody out there in uh, the listening audience, check out jalencrossland.com, get some music and check him out. Been a very enjoyable uh, conversation, Jalen. Best of luck. Yeah, Paul. Thanks for having me on, Paul. It's been great talking with you. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This show was produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Brett Johnson. We'd like to thank our guest, Jalen Crossland. The book I wrote with Rick Shevchik called Blood in the Tracks, the Minnesota Musicians Behind Dylan's Masterpiece is at finer bookstores and record stores everywhere. You can also find my book, Alphabet Jazz, at the Electric Fetus, along with Blood in the Tracks. Hope everybody's enjoying the fall. And remember, like my dad used to tell me, be kind and make someone happy. Someday, the high-